Last year, the Michigan Wolverines fielded one of college football's most impressive defenses. This came after a preseason where the Wolverines lost several assistant coaches to other college football programs or the NFL. Michigan lost defensive coordinator Mike McDonald to the Baltimore Ravens, where Jim Harbaugh's brother, John Harbaugh, is the head coach, and Michigan had to go out and hire Jesse Minter from Vanderbilt, where he was also the defensive coordinator. Michigan also lost defensive line coach Sean Nua, who helped develop Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo into the nation's most lethal pass rush duo in 2021. Michigan lost Nua to USC, and they had to go searching, and they landed on Michigan alumni and then Notre Dame defensive line coach Mike Elston to replace Sean Nua at the defensive line coach position. Michigan in 2022 improved on defense compared to 2021. Despite not having the same upside at defensive end, we can all admit that Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo were much better than Mike Morris. Michigan had more sacks in 2022 compared to 2021. They had 37 sacks, and those sacks were split between Junior Colson, Michael Barrett, Mike Morris, Chris Jenkins, Ayabi Oki, and many others. Michigan, meanwhile, only had 34 sacks in 2021, despite having a more talented defensive end and edge room and overall higher upside pass rush. But because of better schematics and because overall the defense was better, Michigan was able to have a better pass rush with less talented players. At least that's my opinion. The run defense also improved as well. There was no game where Michigan allowed five touchdowns. Thanks, Kenneth Walker. Um, the TCU game was by far the worst game at defending the run. However, that was in the postseason. Michigan shut down Ohio State's run game in the second half, and they had a mediocre game against them in the first half at defending the run. They shut down Penn State's rush game. They shut down Michigan State's run game, although in retrospect that wasn't very impressive as Michigan State had one of the worst rushing attacks in the land. All in all, this defense got better at defending the pass, attacking the quarterback, and stopping the run. Again, outside of that TCU game, where Michigan actually held Max Duggan to completing under 50% of his passes. Max Duggan in that game went 14 14 of 29, and he had, I think, two touchdowns passing and two interceptions passing. And J.J. McCarthy actually finished that game with a higher quarterback efficiency ranking compared to Max Duggan. It was TCU and their ground game that really helped them secure the win and prevent Michigan's comeback, as TCU had 263 rushing yards averaging 6.4 yards per carry. Michigan only had 186 yards, averaging 4.7 yards per carry, and most of those coming off of a long run of Donovan Edwards of 54 yards and one from J.J. McCarthy of 39 yards. So this defense, even in its worst moment, the postseason, still held a Heisman finalist quarterback to completing under 50% of his throws. Michigan had the number five um, defense when it came to defensive passing efficiency, on average only allowing a 107.58 passer rating per game, and only allowed 11 passing touchdowns from their opponents while intercepting the ball 14 times. 
Three Big Ten teams were ahead of the Wolverines, Iowa at four, Penn State at two, and Illinois at one. Marshall and the Thundering Herd, led by Charles Huff, who used to be the running backs coach at Alabama, their passing defense was third in defensive passing efficiency rating. Finally, the most important statistic is points allowed per game. Michigan allowed 17.4 points per game in 2021, which was good for eighth in the country. Michigan only allowed 16.1 points per game in 2022, which was good for seventh in the country. And of course, those 51 points allowed to TCU certainly didn't help. Michigan held Ohio State to only 23, 23 points. That's the same offense that scored 41 points on Georgia. They also held Penn State to 17 points. And 51, those 51 points to TCU, it really was only, what, like 37 only 37 true points because when you look at when you look at everything Michigan allowed two pick sixes they threw two pick sixes JJ McCarthy did so this defense last year was one of college football's most impressive units Will Johnson who was a true freshman corner became the best corner throughout the year surpassing DJ Turner Jamon Green Mike Sainer still improved throughout the year Makari Page and Rod Moore had good seasons Michael Barrett had a career high in sacks, a pick six. Junior Colson really came through, cementing his status as one of the Big Ten's best linebackers. And the defensive line, led by first-team All-Big Ten defensive tackle and later first-round pick, Mozzie Smith, was amazing at stopping the run and getting pressure. Entering 2023 now, Mozzie Smith is gone, Mike Morris is gone. Smith was taken in the first round. DJ Turner's also gone at corner, along with Mike Morris, and some other players as well, but those are the three main players on defense that have left. Turner and Morris were taken in later rounds. Mozzie Smith was picked by the Cowboys later in the first round. Entering 2023, Michigan has total staff continuity outside of George Hilo, who agreed with Michigan to mutually part ways after 2022 to pursue other ventures. Michigan rehired Chris Partridge who left Michigan after the 2019 season to work at Ole Miss, where he worked his way up the ladder, and then after Ole Miss had one of their worst defenses in recent memory, at least with a competent head coach in Lane Kiffin, I nearly forgot about the awful Matt Luke era, Ole Miss fired him, and Michigan rehired him. Chris Partridge is an elite recruiter. He was one of the many reasons that Don Brown's defenses took a while to fall off. He was instrumental on the 2018 and 2019 teams to keep everything glued together. An elite recruiter, an elite developer of talent, it's good for Michigan to have him back. Mike Elston, he is still the defensive line coach. Steve Klinkscale, who's coached elite secondaries for what seems to be the past decade at Kentucky and Michigan, he's the defensive backs coach. And Jesse Minter is still the defensive coordinator entering year two now as Michigan's DC. So I like where this team is all all around. If you've been watching this channel, you know that I've picked Michigan to win the national championship and go 15-0 this year. The defense is a big reason why. Now the offense from 2021 to 2022 made bigger strides than the defense did, and that offense hung 45 on Ohio State, 41 on Penn State, they ground up Michigan State. Yes, they had a lot of field goals, but they 
got a ton of yards. They were able to go up and down the field. And I think the offense will again take a bigger step forward from last year to this year, even compared to the defense from 2022 to 2023. But both sides of the football will take a step forward. I've talked a ton about Michigan's run game. I even made a video about their passing game. I'll probably make a video about their offensive line as well, like I did with Ohio State. But today is about their defense. Steve Klinkscale is also going to be the co-defensive coordinator for the second year in a row. For the third year in a row, he'll be Michigan's defensive backs coach. Before then, he was at Kentucky from 2016 to 2020. And he has just, what he has done just developing talent. He's a better developer of talent than he is a recruiter, which if I had to choose between the two, I'd prefer to have someone who's elite at developing as opposed to elite at recruiting. Michigan this season, they return several, they return several starters, even more so they return a plethora of production last year. Braden McGregor, Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins, and Jalen Harrell, all of whom are projected to be starters on the defensive line, all had double-digit double digit numbers in total tackles. They all had at least a sack. They had a few tackles per loss. The linebackers, Michael Barrett and Junior Colson, both started last year, and Michigan brought in Ernest Hausman, too, from the transfer portal. According to 24-7 Sports, he was in the top five of transfer portal players. He had a forced fumble at Nebraska last year, and he had over 50 total tackles as a true freshman. The secondary... Michigan returns Will Johnson, Rod Moore, Makari Page, and Mike Sainer still. DJ Turner leaves, and between Josh Wallace, Morian Walker, and Jaden McBurrows, they will fill that cornerback number two spot. I think that cornerback, and I also think that defensive tackle, will be some of the better units on the field for Michigan. Cornerback with Will Johnson, that's an, a future first-round pick right there in Will Johnson, He's an absolute unicorn, five-star coming out of high school. And whether it's Jaden McBurrows or Amorian Walker, they'll eventually develop into elite cornerbacks in my mind. But Josh Wallace right now certainly has the highest floor out of all of them. And especially at the beginning of the year, he'll be the best option. Defensive tackle with Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham, who weigh over 300 pounds, I do believe. And then Chris Jenkins, who's a smaller but more athletic defensive tackle, still 6'3", 285. He had two sacks last year and 54 total tackles. Michigan set in the trenches. Also Cam Good, who transferred in from UCF entering 2022, is still here as a graduate, and Rayshon Benny is a redshirt sophomore. So Michigan has depth, and they have upside in their defensive tackle room. But what are some key points and questions and areas to look at for this defense entering 2023? Because Mike Morris and Mozzie Smith are gone. This defense was not like Georgia's defense last year. I think it was better at defending the pass, certainly, than Georgia's defense was. But at the end of the day, Georgia did a much better job compared to Michigan in the trenches. And all in all, this defense wasn't as clutch as Georgia's was, nor did they have as good of a staff. I think Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp are both, they're a better defensive coordinator and co-defensive coordinator unit than Steve Klinkscale and Jesse Minter are. And maybe Jesse Minter and Steve Klinkscale proved me wrong this season, but Glenn Schumann, Will Muschamp, and most importantly, Georgia's head coach Kirby Smart, 
They all know what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. And they also recruit more. They recruit more and they recruit better. I, I meant to say recruit better. So their floor, their lowest possible performance is always going to be higher than Michigan's because they recruit so much better. Even if Michigan schemes better and develops better, Georgia's still going to have that higher floor and they'll have, they won't have to play as perfectly and they won't have to scheme as good because their players will be able to make up for mistakes better because they just have better athleticism and you know what I'm talking about. High school recruiting is really important. It's the bloodline of college football and all in all developmental and coaching, that stuff, that's more so nutrition. Like you can survive off of Doritos and Mountain Dew. You can. You won't be healthy. It'll suck, but you can survive. You can't survive without blood, and that's the analogy that I make. I do think that recruiting, at least when you look at it from a Power 5 level, from winning championships both at the conference and national level, recruiting is more important, but I would say if you just want to win and if you want to have any kind of success, you have to be good developmentally as well. But if you want the high ceiling, recruiting's more important. And if you're a blue blood program, you want to have that high ceiling because that's what a blue blood program is, is you can reach the top of the top. And for Michigan and their recruiting, that has been lacking in comparison to their on and off the field development and coaching as well. So recruiting in the long term is probably the most critical point for this defense and also for the whole team. Michigan has to recruit better if they want to consistently win at the national level. The reason I'm picking them to win it all this season and why I think the defense will be an NFL-level defense, probably like Georgia's in 2021, or at least Georgia's last year, but better at defending the pass, is because of how much production they return. Michigan, all the players that could have come back after last year, for the most part, came back, whether they used their COVID eligibility or whether they just had standard eligibility and decided to return rather than get drafted, they came back. And really only Mozzie Smith, Mike Morris, and DJ Turner, those were the only impact players that left Michigan. So how will the front four perform after losing Smith and Morris? They returned Chris Jenkins, Jalen Harrell, Mason Graham was, was talked about as a gift from the gods. That's what Jim Harbaugh literally said. And Kenneth Grant is just this massive interior nose tackle type player. Both Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham were true freshmen last year. Now they're sophomores. They got so much playing time that they couldn't even be redshirted. So I think defensive tackle, I think that's less of a question than edge. Yes, Michigan has Josiah Stewart. They also have Derek Moore. Derek Moore was nearly a top 50 player in the 2020, I think it was 2021, or no, 2022, pardon me, recruiting classes who, where Derek Moore was a part of. Braden McGregor and Jalen Harrell, both seniors, look to start at defensive end slash edge. Jalen Harrell and Josiah Stewart are more edge, outside linebacker, hybrid defensive end type players. Braden McGregor and Derek Moore look like more traditional defensive ends. The question at edge, there isn't a lot of questions. I'd say it's a near elite to elite room. Defensive tackle certainly elite. But just comparing them, I think Michigan's defensive tackle room is both deeper and has a higher upside than their defensive end and pass rush 
unit does for sure. But Josiah Stewart and Derek Moore both have several more years of eligibility. Same with Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant. But Michigan's D-line will lose a lot after this year. I think Jenkins, Harrell, and McGregor will take big steps forward. Braden McGregor will be the player to watch here. People have talked about his potential for years after he tore his ACL in high school, so we'll have to watch him and see if he, he finally takes that step forward and becomes the star defensive end that many Michigan insiders say that he has the potential to be. At linebacker, Michigan returns both of their linebackers, but the question is, can they take the next step and be elite? Junior Colson was a freshman All-American, and the question that I have lurking in the back of my mind is, can he take the next step from that and become an All-American caliber player? I don't know, and I don't think that Michael Barrett can be an All-American caliber player, but he's a graduate now. He knows the system inside and out, definitely a leader. And last year, he had his best year by a mile. He was second on the team in total tackles with 72. He had three and a half sacks, two interceptions, one of which was returned for six against Rutgers, and he had a pass defended. He's six foot, 233 pounds, and look, he's a really good player. I think that from 2021 to 2022, he probably took a much bigger step forward than anyone predicted. I wouldn't be shocked if he did it again, and if that's the case, this linebacker room can take the next step and be elite. Combine that with Junior Colson potentially playing at an All-American level, or Ernest Hausman coming in and immediately wrecking havoc, this linebacker room could be the best in the country. Michigan at every position has the potential to be number one. Now, it would be hard to be number one at every position, and I'm not going to pick Michigan to be number one nationally at every position. Illinois and Iowa have elite defensive ends, Jerzon Newton for Illinois, and then for Iowa, Deontay Craig, for example. Georgia, they have Nazir Stackhouse on the interior along with Warren Brinson as compared to Michigan's Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, and Chris Jenkins. Ohio State is Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, Michael Hall. I mean, there are so many rooms, especially in the Big Ten, where there's going to be competitiveness for that number one spot nationally. And no one can ever forget about Georgia or Alabama or even LSU, who I think will have the number one defensive tackle room in the country. They also have good corners and a great linebacker room with Harold Perkins and Omar Spates. So Michigan has a lot of competition to be the number one at any position, let alone overall defense. But their linebacker room has the potential to play at an elite level, and if they do, that's really going to help. Junior Colson was amazing as a freshman. He was amazing yet again this past season. Michael Barrett has surprised year after year. And as a graduate, he'll be a leader on defense. Hausman is the new player transferring in from Nebraska, but he performed very well on a Nebraska defense that was well below average and very disappointing last year. And finally, who will start at cornerback number two? And how will the defensive back room function? There are, I would say, three to four elite players in the defensive back room. However, that leaves one to two potential weak spots. And one to two potential weak spots, all that means is they aren't elite players. Because when Michigan takes the field against Ohio State, a great defensive back against an elite Ohio State wide receiver, that's a mismatch in favor of Ohio State's wide receivers. So when I say weak spots, I don't mean bad players. I just mean a player that 
when Michigan takes the field against any regular season opponent can become a liability in the pass defense game. And that would be mostly against Ohio State because Nebraska, Minnesota, definitely Ohio State are the only teams on Michigan's schedule that have great wide receivers. Michigan State doesn't. I would say Penn State is Dante Cephas, maybe Keandre Lambert-Smith, but that's it. Minnesota has a much deeper wide receiver room and probably a better functioning and more explosive wide receiver room than Penn State or Minnesota with Chris Altman-Bell, Corey Crooms, and another player who had 1,000 yards at Charlotte, and then Billy Kemp the fourth and Marcus Washington in Nebraska. I'd say Ohio State by a mile is the room that's going to be able to exploit Michigan's weaknesses if they have any at the defensive back position. So that'll be a key area to watch for because the game, if Michigan goes 11-0 entering the game and they lose to Ohio State, unless they win a playoff game or win a national title the season at that point, would be very disappointing given how much Michigan returns and the fact that they've sat on top of the Big Ten for the past two seasons. This, I think, will be the number one defense in the country, number one in the Big Ten, obviously, though they will have plenty of competition in their conference from Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin, plenty of competition from inside the conference. And from outside the conference, there will be teams such as Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Florida State, who will be competing for that number one defensive spot as well. And don't forget about Clemson. Don't forget about Oregon State or even Utah or some other schools who will have good defenses that could compete to be in the top 10 or even that number one overall spot. But most of the competition will be no surprise from the SEC and the Big Ten for that. I think the Wolverines will shut down the run with their defensive tackle room, and they'll also have physical defensive ends and linebackers to have one of the best front sevens in America. Their defense will allow less than 17 points per game, and they will force 45 sacks and 60 passes defended. So they had 37 sacks in 2022, they had 34 in 2021, and in 2022 they had 50 passes defended. A lot of these statistics, the sacks and passes defended especially, they're not adjusted for numbers per game. And I have Michigan playing in an extra game. If they're going 15-0, they're going to play in 15 games. And in 2022 and 2021, they only played in 14. So that sack and pass defended increase is probably more deceiving and looks higher than it actually is because Michigan's going to be playing in an extra game. But those the increased pass rush... The better defense against the pass, we also see that in that I think Steve Klink scale will lead the secondary to be top three in defensive passing efficiency. So at most they will improve anywhere from will improve anywhere from two to four spots in defensive passer efficiency ranking, which looks like a small improvement on paper, but we all know just have one more interception, maybe one less touchdown allowed. That can be the difference between going 13-1 and and maybe losing yet again in the semifinals in a close way. And maybe if they win that semifinal, like Georgia did against Ohio State last year, they go out and they kill it in the national championship game in a good way. I don't think Michigan's scoring defense will improve compared to last year. Last year, Michigan only allowed 16.1 points per game. 
but their schedule was weak. Even facing TCU and Ohio State, they had the 48th toughest schedule in the country. I think that was the weakest out of all playoff teams by a mile. They played Colorado State, Hawaii, Connecticut, Maryland, Iowa, Indiana, Penn State, Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois, Ohio State, Purdue, and Texas Christian. This year, in the regular season, Michigan plays East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue, Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. All of the teams, all the teams that Michigan plays this season, outside of maybe Indiana, definitely Purdue, and maybe Maryland will be better. Rutgers will be better. Nebraska will be better. Michigan didn't play Minnesota last year. They played Iowa, but Minnesota, I think, in 2023 will be miles better than Iowa was in 2022. Indiana could improve, but due to the transfer portal attrition, they could also get worse. Michigan State is going to be much better. Purdue will, I think, definitely be worse. Penn State will either be the same or better, but it is a road game. Maryland, another road game, and it's a trap game. And with Talia Tagovailoa returning for a third Actually, it's going to be a fourth season now with Maryland. He should be better compared to last year. And Ohio State, they're going to have a new quarterback, but they're going to be more physical. They're going to run the football more, and they're also going to run the football in a superior way compared to how they've ran the ball in the past two seasons, and that will open up the pass even more. So I think that there will be more points scored against this defense I think it will be harder to move the football against this defense, though. But all in all, Michigan faces better offenses. And I think Michigan's offense is going to be so much better that they'll be more willing to put second stringers on defense on the field. So more garbage time points scored against Michigan, along with the fact that they face better offenses, I think results in Michigan allowing more points per game on average this season. The strengths of this team include elite run stop all around. Whether it's on the outside or the inside, Michigan will shut down the run. However, they will be even better at defending the pass. They'll have a great pass rush from their defensive ends and linebackers, and they'll have NFL-level coverage. Whether it's Rod Moore or Will Johnson, who are future NFL players, Mike Sandra still might classify for that if he has a good season, or it's Makari Page or... Josh Wallace, Jaden McBurrows, or Amorian Walker, who should be great players by at least the middle of the season, this secondary is going to be the best secondary in college football. This doesn't mean this team is without weaknesses, though. Every team has a weakness. And for Michigan, I think that they have great linebacker play, but I don't see them taking that next step, at least this year, and having elite linebacker play. I think Michael Barrett certainly has a ceiling that is likely below elite, and I don't know if Junior Colson's going to hit that elite level. And Ernest Hausman, he's young, he's in a new system, in a new defense. I think that Michigan, depending on if Colson returns or not after this year, will probably have a better linebacker core. If Colson returns in 2024, they'll have a better linebacker core that year compared to 2023, in my opinion. Another weakness is quarterback containment. We saw this against TCU. If C.J. Stroud ran against Michigan like he did against Georgia, that might have actually changed the impact of the game. That fake punt attempt that was botched wouldn't have changed the game. 
starting Dallin Hayden over Chip Trainum, that wouldn't have changed the game. C.J. Stroud taking it on the option, that might have changed the game last year, even though that was a 22-point difference. When C.J. Stroud ran against Georgia, that was a huge part of the reason Georgia's defense was thrown off. Because not only were players like Keely Ringo, who were already a liability in coverage, matched up against All-American wide receivers, well, now Ohio State's quarterback, who never runs the football, is running the football on us. So Georgia's defense was discombobulated for basically the entire four quarters of the game. Even on the last drive when Ohio State missed the field goal, C.J. Stroud put Ohio State in a position to win because he ran the football and Georgia couldn't cover him. Now with Michigan, they don't just struggle against running quarterbacks or quarterbacks who can run for the same reasons that Georgia did because they didn't expect it. Whether it was against Chubba Purdy or whether it's been against Peyton Thorne in the past, or Max Duggan this past year, or Sean Clifford in 2022 when he led Penn State in rushing yards that day and took a 60-yard run nearly to the house, Michigan does struggle against running quarterbacks, against quarterbacks who can scramble and who have designed runs. They struggle against that. So as a Michigan fan, I see Jeff Sims at Nebraska. I see Ethan Kaliak-Manis at Minnesota. I see Drew Aller at Penn State, whose strength in the spring game wasn't even throwing the football. I think it was running the zone read to perfection. And I also look at Noah Kim from Michigan State, who Mel Tucker said was one of the fastest players on the team. Ohio State shouldn't have a dual-threat quarterback this year unless they start Devin Brown. But for Michigan, their weakness on defense is the quarterback run, and the fact that I don't think their linebacker play is elite. But their strengths, they'll have an elite defensive line, the nation's number one secondary, and for the most part, they'll be able to shut down any offense that comes their way. Thank you guys so much for watching this video. If you enjoyed it, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, comment your thoughts on Michigan's defense down below, and who you think will be Michigan's defensive most valuable player. Thank you all for watching, and I'll see you guys around. Bye-bye.